0: today on the journey
1: are we truly willing to act upon that which we so strongly believe in that's when this life demonstrates to an onlooking world that we are fully convinced or not
0: christian martyrdom was never the lot of the wavering neither is christian growth Today, Ron Moore prepares us for both with a tutorial on building a strong altar for our living sacrifice. Also, we want you to know about a companion devotional to this series. There you'll learn how to share in Christ's overflowing life, a life full of joy and passion. It's available as a digital download for a donation of any amount at ronmoore.org. Your gift today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with the message, Overflowing, Fully Convinced, on the journey.
1: A fully convinced follower of Jesus Christ. What does that encompass? What does it look like? And what are some of the things we may have to put down in order to fully follow Christ in a convinced way? Take your Bibles and turn with me to the New Testament book of Colossians. Let me quickly set the context. In about 50 AD, there was a man named Epaphras, and Epaphras traveled from his hometown in Colossae, about 100 miles east, to a town called Ephesus. While he was in Ephesus, he heard the Apostle Paul. And he heard Paul talk about Jesus Christ. And there in Ephesus, Epaphras became fully convinced that Jesus Christ was the only way you could have a relationship with God, the only way you could live a life worth meaning, the only way you could live a life that counted. And so Epaphras left Ephesus and went back to Colossae, and as fully convinced followers do, he started sharing the message of Christ with family and friends and other people in his life. And pretty soon there were other convinced followers of Christ that made up the first church in Colossae. About 10 years later now, and some groups had formed in the church. These people said, yeah, we follow Christ, that's great, but we also have some stuff that we want to keep with us. And they had these wheelbarrows of junk from their past. Now, the thing that people like to do when they have junk is they like to share it. And so they were telling everybody else about the junk they have. One group said, you know, it is about Christ, but it's also about the Old Testament traditions and it's about the Old Testament ceremonies and it's about the Old Testament law. These were the Jewish believers. Now, I'm not from a Jewish background, but I can relate to that group because I grew up in a kind of a legalistic background. Great church, we sang about Christ, we love Christ, but we carried a bunch of junk along with us. And there were a lot of sermons about things you couldn't do and things you should do. And you could not drink. It wasn't that you couldn't drink. It was that if you drink, you were no longer a Christian. Smoking was part of that. Dancing was part of that. Movies was a little questionable. So as I grew up and learned that that wasn't the end-all and be-all of the Christian life, I still carried some of that junk around because it's hard to get rid of. Now, there's another group over here in this church that they said, no, nah, it's not about the Old Testament law. You can forget that junk. It's about a secret knowledge, kind of this secret handshake thing. And if you really get it, if you really are following Christ, there's this deeper secret knowledge. It's not for everyone. It's just for the elite Christians. They were called the Gnostics. And you can imagine that these wheelbarrows kept bouncing into each other. There were groups that the church had had formed. So by 60 AD, Epaphras, who was so concerned about this church, went to find Paul and said, Paul, what am I going to do? Paul was in Rome at this time. He's in prison, house arrest. And he says, Paul, here's what's going on in the church. And so Paul wrote the book of Colossians to deal with what became known as the Colossian heresy. They were worshiping angels. Paul's addressed that. They denied the deity of Christ. Paul addressed that. And then he begins to address those who say it's about tradition or this deeper knowledge. Now, here's the deal. You can't be fully convinced about Jesus. And you can't live as a fully convinced follower if you're carrying around a lot of junk. So today, let's do this. We'll look at the passage. I'm going to read through it, get our minds kind of wrapped around it, and we're going to go through it and see what Paul teaches us about what you have to put down if you're a fully convinced follower, and then what your life should look like as a fully convinced follower. Okay, so let's read, starting in verse 24. Paul says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I Fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of His body, which is the church. I become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you the Word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but now is disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, Paul says, struggling with all His energy, which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. Remember, Paul had never been to the church in Colossae. My purpose, listen to this, verse 2, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God. What is that mystery? Namely, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Okay, let's start by looking at verse 26. And there's a word that Paul uses there in verse 26, and he repeats it three times over in this short passage. Remember the word? Mystery. He's hitting these Gnostics who believe there is this mystery, this deeper knowledge. If you really want to know Christ, you've got to have this secret handshake, only for a few. Notice what he says in verse 25, I have become its servants by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. The mystery was hidden in the Old Testament. It was veiled, but now it has been made known. The meaning in the New Testament, something that has been hidden, has now been revealed. It has been, Paul says, unveiled. And the Gnostics would say, yeah, that's great. I agree with you, Paul. It has been unveiled just to us, but not to many others because we have the secret. Well, notice how Paul hits that super spiritual Christian thinking in the last line of verse 26. This mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations has now disclosed to who? To the saints. Every believer is a saint. The secret is for every believer. Now, while there are not many people who go around saying they're Gnostics today in the church, there are those who believe that they hold the key to real spiritual life, kind of a deeper life. And if you would just do this, then you would get the deeper Christian life, because they got it, no one else does. For some, they hold some of the gifts that way, speaking in tongues. Some hold kind of the deeper secret spiritual thing, where if you would do that, then you'd really be a full-fledged, fully convinced believer. There are those who say, you know, if you hold to a certain philosophy of life. I remember getting a letter many, many, many years ago, that told me Laura and I were leading the church astray because we had our kids in public school, because we did not hold to a certain educational philosophy. Kind of the super spiritual life. Paul's telling the Gnostics, that is not the deal. Paul's saying this, in the body of Christ, there is no secret spiritual handshake for the super spiritual. You know what the deal is for a fully convinced follower of Christ? It's about kneeling before the cross. That's where the mystery is revealed. That's where the confusion is made clear. That's where life takes a turn in the right direction, not some super spiritual knowledge. Well, after addressing kind of the secret handshake club, there were others who said, well, of course it's not secret knowledge. We knew that. It's following certain regulations. It was a Jewish group. Here's the way you've got to live the Christian life. It's got to be in this little box. You step out of that box, in my eyes, you're not a full-fledged Christian. I mean, you can come in the church. It's kind of second class. Look at verse 27 where Paul addresses that. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, non-Jews. God has chosen, it's His decision, the glorious Riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God has chosen to make this known among the Gentiles. Now, this was a big issue, huge issue in the early church. Were the Jews and the Gentiles on the same standing in the body of Christ? Now, think about if you were a Jew. Think about the tradition. If you were a Jew, you were born into God's chosen group. God chose the Jews in the Old Testament to be his representatives. He gave the law through them. He delivered them out of Egypt. He protected them. Sometimes he disciplined them. They were his group. The Messiah came through them. So there was a richness there. So the Jews said, man, I got this great tradition here. We are God's chosen people. What do you mean letting the Gentiles in? What are you talking about on the same footing as us? Well, look again at verse 27. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In Galatians chapter 3, it says this way, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, here's the second point Paul makes in the church. There are no second-class Citizens, In the church, the body of Christ, we are on the same footing as we kneel before the cross. Why is that? What's the difference maker? Jesus Christ. He's the one that all our lives center around, or should. And when our life is centered around Christ, then this other stuff we're carrying can more easily be dropped. And we can see each other, not through our eyes, in a judgmental way, but we can see each other through the cross of Christ. Remember that word mystery that Paul uses three times through this passage? He always ties it in to Jesus. I'll read it again. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, if Christ is the answer, what does it look like to be a fully convinced follower of Him? Well, Paul says in chapter 2, verse 2, My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart. Encouraged in heart, is this, they can live with confidence and they can live with strength. Man, isn't that the type of Christian life you want to live? Fully convinced with confidence and strength, knowing who you're following, knowing why you are following Him, knowing what it takes to follow Him, knowing what it looks like to follow Him. Man, that's living with confidence. Paul says, that's my purpose here. That's my aim. Secondly, he says, my purpose is that they may be encouraged, and united in love, if you're going to live a Christian life, you're going to have to live in unity. He tells the Colossians and he tells us. Then he says, my purpose is that you have the full riches of complete understanding. That's a beautiful phrase, isn't it? Full riches of complete understanding. Here's what it means. A fullness of confident understanding. And I believe there's one word that would describe that, and that's the word conviction. Living with conviction. Man, what would it look like if Christians today, fully convinced about Jesus Christ, live with a deep, passionate conviction? The deep conviction that when you follow Jesus Christ, life changes. you headed in a different direction. You do marriage different. You do parenting different. You handle your money differently. The Conviction of fully following Christ. Look at verse 3. He says, the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So here is Christ, and in Christ is hidden all the treasures. Now, what are the treasures that are found in Christ? Let me give you three words that kind of function as an umbrella for all the spiritual blessings in Christ. Here's the first one, justification. Our right standing before God, We are no longer condemned because of the death of Christ on the cross, because of His blood shed for us, because He paid the penalty for our sin. We are justified. We are no longer condemned. And underneath that, we could talk about our salvation and the blessing of salvation and what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Another word coming out of this treasure chest, sanctification. Theological word, which means growing in our walk with Him, becoming more and more like Him. From the word holy, becoming more holy in our Christian walk. We talked about the word holy has two meanings, positional. We are made holy. We can't be any more holier than we are positionally, but we can be more holy experientially. And that's where sanctification takes place. We grow in our holiness. We grow in obedience to God. And we'll be doing that the rest of our life until we breathe our last breath. And that's the third treasure we get from God, glorification. Glorification simply means this, we pass from death to life. We are raised in a body that is a resurrected body, that is glorified, and we will follow Christ just like we followed Him in life, we'll follow Him in death and live with Him forever in a resurrected body. We have spiritual abundance in Christ. Here's another thing Paul wants us to have. Look at verse 28. We proclaim Him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone how? Perfect, mature. We want you to mature. We do not want you to be living like infants five years into your Christian life. We want to present you mature. Paul says, that's what I'm doing, what I'm doing. I want you to grow. I want to see some maturity in your life. And the other thing Paul says here, if you're going to live a fully convinced life, because Paul was one living a fully convinced life, it's going to take some sacrifice because it's not about you anymore. It's about Christ. You can't have everything you want. You can't do everything you want to do. You don't spend your money now like you want to spend it. It's about Christ. Listen to how Paul describes his life. And this gives us a great picture about the sacrifice of a fully convinced follower. Look at verse 24. He says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction. He's saying that everything Christ did on the cross was full, complete. But now as he takes that message forward, there's going to be some sacrifices made. There's going to be some affliction that he has to suffer as he takes the message. And I won't take time to read it, but uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul goes through and talks about everything he did, everything he went through. Three times, 39 lashes. Five times, beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. He suffered hunger. He suffered being shipwrecked. One night and day in the open sea. Why do you do all that? Because he was a fully convinced follower of Jesus Christ and he was willing to make any sacrifice needed to let the gospel go forward. Look at verse 28 again. Proclaim this, admonishing and teaching everyone in all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, Paul says, I what? I labor, struggling with all his energy. It's not my energy, it's his energy, which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you. Why would Paul say that? Because he wants them to know if you're going to be serious about a fully convinced life with Christ, there's going to be some struggling and there's going to be some sacrifice. I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for all those in Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. I want you to know what that means. So think about what it means to be a fully convinced follower of Jesus. Are we truly willing... To act upon that which we so strongly believe in. Because it's pretty easy to sit in here and sing songs and talk about the Bible and interact with each other. But then we walk out those doors, and that's when this life centered around Christ demonstrates to an onlooking world that we are fully convinced or not, because there comes a time when it's a lot more than just words. Will we act on what we know to be true? Will we live before others a fully convinced Christian life? And will we be willing to make sacrifices to do that?
0: And please stay with us. Ron returns in a few moments with a look at our next time together. Would you like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? One who experiences his power, peace, truth, and joy? Well, that's what Paul wanted for the Colossian church and his letter to them still resonates with our hearts today. Let it resonate with yours by claiming your copy of Ron Moore's devotional titled Overflowing. This digital companion to the audio series we're currently enjoying will fill your soul with security, commitment, and liberty in Christ. You can get yours as a digital download for a gift of any amount at ronmoore.org. That's ronmoore.org. Your gift today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now let's rejoin Ron for a preview of our next broadcast.
1: Nothing can separate you from the love of God, height nor depth, angels nor principalities, things present nor things future, things on earth, things in heaven, life or death. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what's it mean to be disqualified from the prize? Let me try to illustrate like this. When I was teaching in Texas at a school called Sunnyvale Junior High, teaching some junior high students, there was this kid named Matt, and Matt was a great long-distance runner. We didn't have a cross-country team, so we found out there was a cross-country meet on the other side of town. So I took Matt, and I wanted to take him to go run in this cross-country meet, his first ever cross-country meet. I didn't want him to go by himself, so I went and got a guy named Rooster. I never knew what his real name was, Rooster, and um, a guy named Shane. And I picked him up, and I said, you're going with me. And they said, where are we going? I said, well, you don't want to know. You won't go with me if you know, but just come with me. You're going to be with Matt. And we're going to have a good time. So coaches got at the starting point, and Matt got there, and man, he was so excited. And Rooster and Shane, they were there as well. And the gun sounded, and Matt took off and did great in his first cross-country. In fact, he went on to run at Texas A&M. Well, Matt came in, and then all the other people came in, except for Rooster and Shane. <laughs> and the other coaches were saying, where are these guys? And he said, I don't know. Did they get lost? I'm not for sure. And after a while, I was embarrassed because we were waiting on my two runners. And I started walking the cross-country track and saw them, and they were just walking together, laughing and joking, just having a great time. And they saw me, and then they just took off running as fast as they could. And I said, guys, forget it. Let's just go to the car. It's too embarrassing to go back to the finish line with those other coaches. Let's just go to the car. Now, did that break our relationship? No. We still had a great relationship. Did, did they disqualify them from that race? Yeah. You can't get a prize when you stop halfway through and go to the car. So we can live our Christian life where a relationship with Jesus is still there and still be disqualified from His blessing here on earth, from the closeness of that relationship that we have with Him, and even heavenly rewards when we are in heaven with Him.
0: We hope you can join us for that message next time. And to help you experience the abundant life, we invite you to download a PDF copy of Overflowing. It's a powerful reminder that Christ has provided all you need for life and godliness, a life filled to overflowing. Overflowing is yours for a donation of any amount. You can get it online at ronmoore.org. That's ronmoore.org. Also, for our Pittsburgh area listeners, the real conversation continues at the Bible Chapel with Real Talk, Conversations from Corinth. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, we'll discover what God has to say about leadership, sex, life, victory, and connection. This is a series you won't want to miss. The Bible Chapel has campuses across the greater Pittsburgh area visit BibleChapel.org for a location near you. Again, that address is BibleChapel.org. And if the journey has brightened your day and deepened your walk with Christ, won't you tell your friends and family about our program? Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join Ron next time as we walk together on the journey.